Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Today's message I've titled Spirit on the Water, because over the next couple Sundays, I want to use these symbols of water and how they point to the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Whenever you and I come to Jesus Christ, and however that is or wherever that is, and we open our heart to him and we invite Jesus Christ to come into our life, we repent of our sin, we trust him uh, that the work on the cross was for us and the resurrection and the ascension was for us, and we believe that, uh, what happens is God puts us in Christ. And there's so many passages in the New Testament where Paul uses the phrase in Christ. But he also puts Christ in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But more technically, what God does is he puts the Holy Spirit in us. Because Paul uses the imagery that, it, that we are, just like Jesus said, you destroyed this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And they thought he meant the temple of concrete and rocks and stones. But the temple he spoke of was the temple of his body. And Paul said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Our temple is not to be stagnant. It's not to be standing still. We are a mobile temple, an expression of the life of God through the Holy Spirit working on the inside of us. Now, you and I cannot, with our own intellect, ever come to a point where we totally comprehend how this works and what this means, and so God knew that. And so he uses imagery. He uses imagery in the Bible to, and symbols so that we can get a better understanding of something that we'll never fully understand. But you know what? You can experience something without even understanding it. And God wants us to be able to experience him even if we are past our limits of understanding it. So I hope to show you by the help of the Holy Spirit, the prophetic and poetic imagery that the prophets were inspired to use to describe to us the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. You can't even get into verse 2 of the first book of the Bible, in the Jewish scriptures, without seeing the Holy Spirit at work. And I want to show you the Alpha verse in the Bible that shows us the work of the Holy Spirit and then build from there. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and it says this. Moses is writing, and he's led by the Spirit to write this. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving. The word is Rahab in the Hebrew. It means to hover softly, brood over. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Notice the location and proximity of the Holy Spirit. The living Holy Spirit is about to stir up the waters from which all life, all land, all living things will come. The Lord God creates all things out of nothing pre-existing. And he does it by speaking his word with a, de a definitive pronouncement and the spirit generates from the waters of the great deep. And out of the waters of the great deep, we see light, atmosphere, land, all living things, and it's 
very good and it's very God. And there is a garden of life that's beyond comprehension which Adam and Eve had, had. And we would have had Eden where all of perfection springs to life by the acts of the Holy Spirit. Water begins to flow in Eden and causes all things to flourish. And it's a message. All of the things we're going to look at, real events in real time, passing them through the cross into the new covenant, are ours in the spirit. And so what God did in the natural is ours to possess in the spiritual. For instance, everybody in the world, every human who has been born not just once, but twice, born again, born from above, born again humans, every born again human is a living being and the Holy Spirit in that soil of spirit within us, soul and spirit, is now animated, is now pulsating, is now generated, it's now alive. It wasn't alive until Christ made it alive and the Spirit comes in and the soil of us on the inside is now pulsating and grows as the water of the Spirit creates the life, watering the soul. I want to look at terminology that reflects the work of the Holy Spirit through words and passages in the Old Testament and a few in the New that describe the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And the first word is streams. And in the book of Genesis, in the very first few chapters, you see the streams watering the garden. Look at this. This was the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, plural. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But, look at this, streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Without man, God's streams in the soil, flowing streams cause things to grow. The flowing stream of the Holy Spirit always causes growth. Look what it goes on to say in the second chapter, verses four through nine. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man. God wants to put his people in the place of the pulsating soils. And so he put man there, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And also in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the infamous tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And from the streams of God, the ground would blossom. And God placed man in a blossoming, peace-filled environment where this beautiful and untainted place produced trees where humans could behold their beauty and also find provision from their fruit. How many of you are listening to me with the ears of the Spirit? But because Satan hates good. Satan hates anything that produces and reflects the imagery of the wonders of God. He has to step in and, and try to manipulate and rob and steal 
so that expression can be marred or perverted or stopped cold. And that's what he did. He seduced Eve and Adam to eat from the tree God told them not to. And because of that, death came. Death came. And darkness came. And the ground was cursed and so was Adam and Eve. And they were expelled from that place where the soil in and of itself pulsated and the streams of God created life without the work in the hand of man. But God. Because he, before the foundation of the world, put in place, and it would take a year to, to do a series on that. Understanding, explaining why God did that and allowed this and that. And I'll tell you, at the end of the year, we'd still have more questions than answers. But what we know is God, in his love, has always willed, as you see with Adam and Eve, he wants you to see it too, and he wants you to see it too, regardless of what you've messed up and what you've brought, what you've torn down, what you have destroyed, regardless, the God longs in his love, he wills to bring humanity back to the place before the fall. Even Crosby, Stills, and Nash wrote about that. We are stardust, we are golden, and we got to get ourselves back to the garden. I don't know if they were talking about Madison Square, but I think they were talking about, regardless, it's true. I had a guy in the, se in the, in the first service who he's also uh, locked in a 70s time warp musically. And he said, I love how you set my playlist for the coming week. That's what I'm here for. That's why I'm here. God always wants us to get back to a place of goodness where we're emancipated, where we're back in a place of innocence, where we walk by faith unashamed, where we once again realize that we were ordained to stand like sons and daughters, with a kingly crown on our head that points to him, not ourselves, and we reflect the image of people who were intended to live in the soil that pulsates where streams can bring forth great things from God without man creating it, but instead enjoy cultivating it. And that's what life was meant to be. And when we fell from that, God selected a man by the name of Abraham and started to make promises to him because our God brings us to himself through promises. Through promises. And he's always wanting to lead us back by promises to a land, not geographical but spiritual, that's grace-filled, God-generous, not earned by our goodness, but given by his it's called the promised land in the Old Testament, a literal, real land that God promised to Abraham and came with great power to emancipate the people of Israel through Moses out of the Egyptian slavery, going into a land. And when you get to Deuteronomy, God describes it through Moses to Joshua and those who would take it. And here's how he describes it. Notice this terminology and the connection with water as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. It's a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. A land with wheat. With, you don't, you don't grow it, it's already growing. Anyone hear me? It's, it's a land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. In other words, it's a land that I've quickened 
It's a land that the pagans wouldn't know, but you'll know because it's a promised land. And when the sons and daughters of promise get in it, they'll find it pulsating with streams that doesn't come from themselves and things that produce that didn't come from themselves. Just like when God quickens our heart, a soul that's now living by the Spirit, which grows by God's provided stream. Streams, they're a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Streams are flowing. Streams are active. And instead of wheat growing up in our life, the streams of the Spirit produce, not us, the streams of the Spirit produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against those things, there is no law. There is no law. We can't and could not produce those things because our fallen nature is cursed and it does not have the ability in itself. It's impotent to produce things that only the power of God can produce. So into our life, God in his grace sends the streams. Everybody say streams. Everybody say T. McGee. I'm just kidding. Isaiah, the prophet, describes the same thing later, and he says that through the Messiah, through the Messiah, through the Messiah, not through man, God's going to do something. Isaiah 44, he says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams. I will. The new covenant in Messiah is God doing for us. I will, I will, I will. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. Guys, gals, grandmas, grandfathers. It doesn't have to start and end with you. It can be your son and then your son's son and daughter and then your son and daughter's sons and daughters. You know what I remember? When some of you who are now in your 30s and 40s used to be three and four and in the old church, dancing like my son was, da- my grandson was dancing and had a play cell phone. He was talking to Jesus. I don't know if he was talking to Jesus or the sound. I don't know who he was talking to, but he was talking on one and he was dancing on the other. And I just thought, you know what? One day I'm, I'm blink my eye and he's, he's going to be a certain, he's going to be like you cool cats down here in the front row. And my brother Bobby over here that's preaching me on fire from the, pul- from the seat to the pulpit. You know what? And, and, he, and he goes on to say, and my blessing on your descendants. Come on, someone. Amen. That means all generations are promised an ever-flowing stream that quenches the thirsty soul and brings life to the dry ground. That's what the Holy Spirit longs to do in every generation. Streams. But there's other symbols. Uh, here's another one. Fountains springs and wells when you study the scriptures you'll come across things that are that that they're called by scholars types and anti-types typology is the study of types in the bible and anti-types let me let me just quickly try to explain where where you come across something that's really happening like uh say the life of joseph who is favored by his father he's a dreamer and god's going to use him to save the whole world not just his brothers That's a type of Jesus. The lamb, there's a real lamb, but the lamb of God. So that's a type. A type is a picture, an object lesson, a person by which God uses to teach us something concerning his plan, his grace, his saving power. And these types are are, are something really, uh, something's really going on, but it's pointing to a deeper meaning and a 
fuller fulfillment in a final person or a final uh, release of the purpose of God. An antitype is when something happens that you see clearly is a, is a work of God, but then something happens, you can, you can use that as an illustration to say, now on the other side, God wants to do that for this reason. Let's say Adam and Jesus. Romans 5, Paul uses Adam as an antitype of Jesus. What Adam did brought death, but the second Adam, Jesus, what he did brought life. And he, and he contrasts it, but he uses Adam as an antitype for what Jesus did. How many of you would rather have what Jesus did than what Adam did? Yeah, yeah me too. Well, in the, book, in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 6, I see the fountains of the great deep as an antitype. Let me show you. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month on the seventh day of the month, on the same day, look at this, all the fountains of the great deep burst open. Now, what took place there? Judgment. Chaotic, devastating Many say it was global. Others are getting nervous about that now. Regardless, I'm still globaling it. Regardless, the fountains of the great deep, in other words, something out of the bed, the bed of the ocean floor, uh, I don't know, out of the soil and different parts of, 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 of the earth, the fountains came up out of the ground and burst, and the whole world was flooded, except for eight people in a boat. Now, the antitype of that is this. The Holy Spirit is a fountain. And he wants to give a bursting open the floodgates of freedom in my soul. The, the, the bursting, opening the fountains of the great deep of the spirit in me that bursts healing and worship and, and floodlights of illumination from the scriptures that you not only underline it, you have to get up and run around the room about it. You not only go, wow, that's interesting, you go, that's life-changing. I, have you ever had that aha moment? I see it. I didn't say this in the first service, but it hit me in between services and during this amazing, and let me tell you, you and I have been blessed to have a, a worship team that is amazing. I, 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 I said, I, I said, I said to Dust, Dustin, uh, after that set, I said, man, that was next level. That was next level. That, 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 what is that lion roar song? What, what, never. Let the lion roar. Man, that one, that one was, but matter of fact, I'm done. Come up and do that again. <laughs> and here's what I thought. Here's what I thought. I thought there are Christians, maybe in this room, but there are Christians all over the world. I want to get, I'm going to get up next to you. Some of you have raised your voice 
louder than anyone else around you in section 46, seat 13, I'm making that up by the way, <laughs> at Raven Stadium, Pittsburgh, Greenway Ave, or Weber Field. And some of us have raised our voice to a volume level for somebody that scored a touchdown, or you were at Verizon Center, or you were at Meriwether Post, or you were wherever you were, and you raised your voice at a, at a level that everybody heard you for a whiskey-drinking, coke-snorting, skirt-chasing guitar player, and you've never raised your voice to that level for Jesus Christ. And it's time to pay back. It's time to make up for it. If you can, if you can hallelujah Joe Walsh for the good riff on Hotel California, you can raise the volume level for the Messiah, the bondage-breaking, devil-crushing, sin-destroying Son of God that we're afraid to let someone think we're out of control. It's time for the church to let the fountains of the great deep burst open and give him the praise that he's worthy of. He's worthy. And until we do that, don't clap for flesh kings who don't know their right from their left that would probably, if your 14-year-old daughter was, anyway, I'm just saying, we got it so messed up. We're worshiping men. We're worshiping, and then we're even in the church. I hear more, I hear preachers' names more than I hear Jesus' name. Could you have this podcast? Do you have this? Are you listen to this? Have you read this guy's book? Listen, there's a good place for all that. But how about the fountains of the great deep? Because the angels of God say, I'm just a fellow servant like you. Worship Jesus. All right. Now back to the previously scheduled sermon. The fountains of the great deep. Here's what the scripture says in Psalm 87. The Lord will write in the register of the peoples, this one was born in Zion. Zion is, is a picture of the people of God, the celestial kingdom that's not Mount Sinai. It's the celestial newborn, spirit birthed, lamb of God washed, people of God and everybody that comes into there, God himself writes your name in that book. And they make music and sing, all my fountains are in you. Anybody? Fountains, fountains. Then back to Deuteronomy 8, in this new promised land. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. It's a land with brooks, streams, and I love this phrase, and deep springs gushing out. Does our praise look like it's gushing 
out? Does our song gush out? Does our... And then he goes down to say, and it's a land where bread will not be scarce. You're not going to be you're not going to be a, 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 a person of faith that lives in a famine. And you'll lack nothing. This isn't about wallet being filled. This is about your soul being filled. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. This is God providing what comes into being in a land that wasn't being found or tapped into by the people that lived in it prior to Abraham's sons. But Jesus, in the new covenant, uses the same imagery, and he's sitting by a well in a place called Samaria where the Jewish people say God wouldn't meet anyone there, especially a woman who's been married five times and the guy she's with is not... She's not put the ring, he's not put the ring on it. And she's at a well. And he says to her, he says, and not only for her, he says this, the first word is everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But if the Baptist, if the King James own if the Catholics, if the church that's on the right, no, he says, whoever. Whoever drinks, not whoever studies, not whoever knows, whoever drinks. The water I give them will never thirst. Lack nothing, never. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water. What's it do? What's it do? It, 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 is the well active? It's welling, isn't it? It's welling. Something will be placed on the inside of you and me that will be inging. Not a wuzzing, an ising, a welling. The well is welling in you, and it will well up to what? Eternal life. It doesn't mean that you'll get this, and that's your Jesus Club card, and when you die, you'll finally get into this thing called eternal. It means that from the moment, from go, you're back into that pulsating soil. And the terminology now is shifted to a well on the inside that is springing up. And what is coming up and out is called zoe. In the Greek language means inexhaustible, inextinguishable, life of life. Now. Now. In the right now. Let's go to my picture. All right. Um... There's a, a, a friend of mine who was in the first service. I posted this on Facebook this morning. And he said, Tim, that's a beautiful picture. Where is that? 
And I thought, you, I thought, you certainly lived on the other side of town growing up, didn't you, man? Because, I don't know if you know this or not, I hope you know, if you live here, I don't know how you went. This is the Constitution Park. I lived right down over that hill as young T. McGee. And uh, this, is, this was my stomping grounds all the way growing up. I tell my grandson, Graham, that this is the rockin' place. This is the place where you go up and there, you can't see it, there's a building up there where you can go in there and you can get marshmallow pies. Let me tell you what that is. Marshmallow pies, they're manna from God. And, and you, can, you, can, you, can get, you can get snow cones up there. And uh, you can get frozen Reese cups up there. Manna also from God. There's, there's Reese, hey, how many of you found out there are Reese cups and then there are frozen? Re you got that? Hey, listen, if you haven't yet, throw one of those babies in your freezer, go back and taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm telling you, right? Yeah, that's right. And once you've figured it out, you can actually like bite around the edges and work, work your way. You don't have to just chomp it down. You just work your way like a connoisseur because after all, you're, you're, you're dealing with things that are just heavenly. So I told him we're gonna get into that and go up there and do all that. But this here, they didn't used to have that in the middle. They just had a, it was called the little pool or the baby pool. And being that I flunked my first uh, try at swimming lessons, I had to stay in that pool for a while. But I was cool with it because I was a little kid and I didn't measure myself by anybody else's standards back when I was young. I just did my thing. Do you ever, do you remember, do you remember the childhood part of you before you ate off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or someone told you you didn't look like whoever and someone before that and you just enjoyed life? Anybody remember that? You know what that is? That is God's voice to every human being that there is something that we have echoing in our soul that is the place where we are always intended to live for all of our life. It's an Edenic, it's an Edenic, naked and unashamed land of innocence and dominion, joy unspeakable under the sunshine of God himself. Which is how, which is how my life seemed to be when I was a little kid and I just was looking at this while ago I remember diving <laughs> off that into that and not hitting my head I've always been skilled always but but and they didn't have the fountains anyway as as I as as my life grew up and I got to 17 and a half years old I still looked like I was this innocent kid, but on the inside of me, darkness had taken root. I'd eaten off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, didn't know what that was, but I was eating it because that's what humans do. We don't even know why we're doing what we do. We're just doing. And being that we're dead and our soil is marred and our soil is not animated by the grace and goodness of God, we just do. And what begins to happen to us is from the moment we start living in it, it's like, it's like a brand new car that gets oxidated and the rust just eats at it and what was sparkling new in 15 years or whatever it just isn't anymore it's like clothes that used to be one way it's like when you could run the 40 in under five now you can't it's just the process of death working in us we don't know it 
but there's an echo, there's a call. So I come to Christ at 17 years of age, or actually Christ came to me. And for a short period of time in the, in the, in the time span of my 35-year Christian walk of faith, in a very short time span, I tasted Eden. Innocence. I, I felt like I didn't even know. When I, when, I, when I knelt before the Lord and he lifted, I didn't even know it was there. I got up from that altar feeling like a thousand pounds left my soul that I had con- was conditioned to carry thinking it was just normal. And the normality of our life is blindness. It's under the spell. And when the light of the glory of the cross hits my conscience and I cry out to him, he lifts that thing off, places me in Eden, place, places you in Eden. But unbeknownst to us, in the church of Jesus Christ, tragically, there is teaching that is law that says it's gospel. Oughts and shoulds and lists and rules and regs that intentionally or unintentionally get on us and we quickly, not because of God, because of ourselves, we get back under something in the name of walking in Christianity that puts back on us yokes, chains, slavery, outside and inside. And we call that living for God. So I had this amazing encounter with the Lord and walked that out and I won't blame the people but the way I was discipleship so important. And if you don't know how to do it, don't do it at all. So I had this sensitized conscience. I wanted to please Jesus. So I started reading books and listening to people about how to please Jesus. Already, already off track because I didn't have to please Jesus. I was in the garden, just being. So I shifted being to doing. And in doing, I doed myself right out of peace, joy, love, and came to realize that, that my old nature was still there. And so I thought and was taught in certain ways that you just, the way you got to pray, you got to pray, you got to this. That, yeah, praying, it's all good, but it's the gotta part. It's very tricky. The got to part, the have to part. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not tell him why. Because Jesus Christ is coming to town. And, 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 he's, and he's making a list. And he's checking it twice. That's not the way it is. So anyway, after years and years of, of this wrestling, and uh, as, as Luther would call it, his Anfentugen, which is a German terminology for living in such stress that you feel like you're going to lose your flipping mind, which was my life through Bible school and through much of whatever, trying to, not understanding why, what in the world, how did I go from this short-lived Edenic walk to this? God's still using me and I'm still trying to figure it out and wanting to search. And in the midst of that with a sensitized conscience, if, if some of that old, is anyone listening to me? 
if some of that old nature would manifest or I'd go through a season of time and get discouraged and it would trigger and then like, unlike all of you, I would fall into things that I thought I was over and fall back into them. Well, the devil would just beat my living brains out and then I would too and the devil could just take a break because I beat my own brains out because I loved God with all my heart, all my heart. So much so that I would live in torment when I knew that I broke his heart or at least thought I did because Christians aren't supposed to. Don't you ever leave our church. Anybody, am I, am I talking to the wrong club? Christian, hey, how many of you know the things we're not supposed to do? And then how many of you have ever fallen into one of those things and then, and then, and then they say, confess your sins one another, pray for one another, you think, and someone goes, yeah, I'm gonna confess your sins. Yeah, I got mad at Fred the other day. And you're thinking, you're thinking, I can't tell you what I did, you wouldn't wanna be my friend. Right? Do you know those people? Don't look at them. Anyway, so the devil just has a heyday with that. And then you try to figure out how do I overcome the thing? How do I, I'll go, where's the conference on this? Where's the book? Have you, if there's a book, I've read it. If there's a conference, I've been to it or at least watched it through the years. And living under the hell of that. So one day, I would go on these walks, I'd go on these pursuits, I'd think, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this. I'm going to Brownsville, I'm going to Toronto, I'm going to wherever, I'm going to whatever it is. Where's the thing, where is it? Is it tonight, is it Benny Hinn, is he gonna zap me over? Whatever it is, you name it, I've been there. Ben Adam, you, I ain't lying. Because inside of me, I would, whatever, whatever, to find this place, again, to go back to the garden that I tasted with Jesus. So one day I was in total despair. I was walking up here and that was there. And the Holy Spirit said to me, would you just sit down and sit across? There's a little bench that's right over here. I'll tell you, I encourage, there are gonna be all these cars up at the park, this, this, all these I'm telling you, you should do it. Not all at the same time, but I don't even care. You can, go up there and sit and just sit there and look at that. I'm sitting there and the Holy Spirit says to me, if I told you that if you went and stood under that water, the inherent qualities in that water would heal your depression, create joy on the inside of your soul, not you, the water. All you do is get in it. Not you. Not, I'm going to praise my way through it. I'm going to pray my way out of it. I'm going to play. You name it, I've done it. And still got up the same. If, 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 if you'd have morality than, le than less immorality. All in that water. If love was in that water, joy, self-control in that water was in there. What would you do? Here's what I said. And it didn't even have to think. I said, 
if there was razor wire on the top of that fence and it was locked and the only way in was through that razor wire, I'd be on it. If that fence was, bla was a blazing inferno of fire, I'd break through it to get in that water. And see, that shows, that showed me, and he spoke this to me, there are so many people in the church that they think they're, hip, they're hypocritical or people will, they'll be walking with the Lord and then they'll stumble or they're, they're, there's besetting sins and they don't, they don't but, and then someone will sit and they say, well, I thought so and so, they're hypocrites. I don't think most people are hypocrites. I think most people are trying to conform their sin nature by their willpower and their oughts and their shoulds. Most people. There's always a turkey, right, amongst the chickens. But I think most people in the church are not phony balonies. They're the, the people who call them that are the people that don't have the courage to walk with Jesus and they have to point at somebody so they don't have to look at themselves. So just tell them to go take a flying leap. Tell them to go take a flying leap. Quote me, T. McGee, flying leap. You don't have to answer to any man or woman. And neither do I. I don't have to answer to anybody except Jesus. Here's the problem. Satan knows all this game. He started it. Serpents slither around these things more than taverns and bars. Right here. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. Galatians 3, this is where the bewitching hour happens, right here, where we preach Moses in a Jesus suit. With oughts and shoulds on dry ground. And Satan says, The Holy Spirit won't dwell in you as long as you're in that situation of sin, whatever it is. Okay? The Holy Spirit, have you ever heard this before? The Holy, here's, a, here's one of those uh, false PRs. The Holy Spirit will not dwell in an unholy vessel. I've heard that. So the reason why there isn't revival in the world is because all the Christians are living in sin. The reason why a lot of the Christians are living in sin is because we're preaching Moses instead of Jesus. And we do it with passion. And there's a glory on the law that gets people to move in repentance and sorrow over their sin, but it doesn't get you up. Moses can get you in the water, but only the lamb can get you out. And the lamb wants to get you out. Anybody here? So, here's the truth. If you are the least in the kingdom of God, when you said yes to Jesus, it's, let's say you're the worst, and you live in sorrow, you'd love to be worthy to sing lion roar. Well, about time you go to do, about time the fountains begin to burst, Satan says, hey, you yelled at your husband on the way to church. Okay, go ahead, pray. Go to get your praise on, girl. Get your praise on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. 
Here's the truth. That right there, here's what the Lord said to me. When I said I would walk through fire, I'd cross over razor wire, he said, no need. That is in you right now. There. And that water flows for the thirsty. Water, that water has love in it, joy in it. And it's not, listen, your healing is in the water. Your peace is in the water. Your morality is in the water. You'll never reform your sin nature. We're not called to reform our sin nature. And when we sniff the dumpster smell of it, it's not our focus to try to get rid of the smell. We're to transfer ourselves mentally out of the imagery of being in a dumpster to seeing ourselves in the midst of that fountain. And the great thing about it is that is already bought and paid for by another. That there is given as a gift. He told a woman, he's, he didn't say, now look, you bring your man back and I'll sit here and take you through a conference on why you picked the wrong guy five times. We're going to dig up all those bones. You think, you think you feel bad? Wait till I get done with you. We're going to go through all that stuff where you're going to feel like the biggest loser by that end, and then I'm going to expect you to receive. No, I didn't know how it worked. All he was trying to do to her is get her to believe his word that I want to show you that I'm valid with my promise by telling you I know who you are. I know exactly who you are, and I am still knowing who you are saying, I've got a gift for you. And if you receive it, God will create in you a fountain. And from the inside out, you, the water will change your mind, change your thoughts, start to heal your triggers and your traumas. Just let the water flow, dear heart. Just let the, and it's a gift, by the way. And you don't have to go to Jerusalem to get it. You don't have to go to Vegas to get it. You don't have to go to the conference of the greatest walkers to get it. You don't have to go to the water conference to get it. You, it's in you. It's in you. The very least, if you are one second saved and there's so much Egypt in you that we can't even find Canaan, even in you is that fountain. Even in you, let the water flow. And there are times where he'll flow like a stream gentle oh yeah where you can sip it and there's other times that he wants to break open the fountain sorry if i scared you so the question is what you drinking church i looked up the clock and it was 15 after now it isn't Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What's going on? This, the Holy Spirit's been poured out on these guys. One of the guys caved on Jesus three times, even swore about that he didn't know him. One, that was one of the guys. And the others would ran for their lives. They, weren't even, they didn't even follow at a distance. They were gone, gone, and gone. And there they are in the upper room. And I'm sure people could say, hey, all those hypocrites up there that said they walked with God, look at them now, they're up there. 
and they get filled with the Holy Spirit in such a degree that there's a manifestation that happens out of them that the people who didn't know God looked at those people and said, these people are drunk. Listen, if you just do this, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Jesus, say this with me, Jesus, Jesus. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. I believe by faith I receive the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. Are people gonna think you're drunk? What happened here? What happened that made the people that weren't churchy go, those cats right there, they're under the influence of something. So, I don't think ankle deep creates that witness. And I don't think knee deep does. And I don't think waist, I think a river does a river. And Peter stands up and says, this is that. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Here's another one again. What are you drinking? Here's what Paul says. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. In other words, there are influences of the world that are going to take you from Eden. Take you from the... Instead, drink the spirit of God. Huge drafts of him. Huge drafts. What are you drinking? So you belly up to the bar and the bartender says, what do you have? Are you going to say, I want a book on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take that book home and put it under my pillow. Actually, I want a book on the fruit of the Holy Spirit because I'm lacking that. So if you can give me a book and you have the tapes or the videos, I'd like to listen to the, I'm going to sleep with them and I'm going to believe that I'm going to become what I carry around and listen to. Yeah, but what are you drinking? Well, listen, do you got one of those little blotters that they give birds that get water? Just, just give me a little Holy Spirit dip on my... Because I don't want to get carried away. Drink huge drafts of him. Those kids that are up there, uh, go up there and sit this summer and watch those kids in that water. They're not going to be sitting there putting their toe in. They're going to be bonsai in it, baby. They're going to be bonsai. They're, every mom and grandma is going to go, watch your head! It's going to be that. <laughs> Imagine, and, and I'm, I don't mean reckless. I'm just, you know, I'm playing. Imagine sons and daughters in such innocence in the Eden of God, in the presence of the fountains and the streams and the wells and next week, the rivers. Imagine the liberty that he longs for us to have. Would you stand? The Bible says, stand fast in the liberty from which Christ has set you free. And don't be entangled with the yoke of bondage. The last verse that I have the Omega verse with all this is listen to what the Holy Spirit says about 
and this is what the church is to say, the bride. The spirit and the bride say, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, the spirit and the bride doesn't say change. I want you to realize that. God doesn't tell you to change. He tells you to come. The spirit and the church is to say, come. Well, I just, you don't understand, man. You don't know what I've been, you don't know, man. I, I can't live it. I've tried to live it. I've tried to live it. I've tried. Have you heard that before? I can't live it. I tried for three weeks. I went to, I started listening to Furtick and I just, it was good. And I, I even started listening to Caleb. I threw my re records away and my, I tried to not this and I tried to not that. And you know what? I've, I'm, I, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. So if I can't do it, I'm not doing it. You heard that? Where, who sold them that? Who sold that? That's not the gospel. The gospel is come. And not just come, come thirsty. And let the one who wishes, not the one who earns it, wishes. What do you wish for? What would you wish God would do for you in this room right now? Do you have time for God? If I ever be, shut up. Do you have time for God To make your wish come true, not just your prayer. See, it's hard for, we're conditioned to think, what do you mean? That, that, God, that would mean God's really good. Have you ever given your grandkids or your kids more than what they wanted? And if we're evil, we know how to do that. Let the one who wishes, because if you get in a place where the water can be itself, he might give you more than you need. He might give you wells you didn't dig. He might give you houses you didn't build. He might give you things that would blow. I mean, not just wheat and barley, but pomegranates and vine. He might just, he might just Ephesians 3.20 you. More than you could ask. The Holy Ghost is in this room right now in a powerful way. And over in this section right here, there are people that you've you are holding on to your wish with your last finger. You, you can't even grip it anymore. Lord, release a brand new grip for this person right now to grant, grant the wish. Grant the wish. Grant the wish. Burst forth from the fountains of the... There are people that have longed and longed for weeks now to go into the deep rivers of the Spirit and you, you, are, under, you are under an influence of words and voices and teachings and about the time you're ready to jump, someone says, watch out. God, break that off this person right now and may the fountains of the great deep burst forth in their life. God, we pray in the name of Jesus for those that stand in the ashes of shame. They're children of God. They mourn over their failures because they love you deeply and they are sincerely committed to you. And they mourn, they mourn over the ashes and the failures and the no betters. I pray illuminate their mind to this fountain and restore to them the years the locust has eaten and let joy come forth. May they draw joy out of the wells of salvation this morning. Not somewhere. 
Activate it today. Spirit of God is hovering over your soul right now and he wants to activate joy to you. Joy unspeakable. Joy filled with glory on the church, on the saints, on the sinners, on the strugglers, on the sufferers. The joy of the Lord burst forth to be your strength now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So Lord, we're just gonna, right now, listen. I'll tell you what the Holy Spirit's doing in this room. Have you ever been to a part of a department store? I mean, a supermarket. You go into the produce section and they have that, the, the mist around the vegetables and sometimes it's so much that it gets on your clothes. There's a, there's a, there's, I see it. There's a mist in this room right now in the spirit. It's everywhere. It's from door to door. It's from wall to wall. It's from front to back. There's a mist. It's a, it's a, it's a first it's a first taste of the presence of that water. The Holy Spirit is wet. The Holy Spirit is wet. And when Jesus speaks, his words are like many waters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Break through these things today. Break through mindsets and strongholds and beliefs that have kept people bound and dry. Break them today. Put a new mind, break the bands off thinking, processes and fortresses of intelligence, Lord, and emancipate us to go into great rivers with you. I'm gonna be up here and I'm gonna be willing to pray for anybody that needs a breakthrough, uh, word, for lack of better, a breakthrough, in, 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 and I'd be glad to pray with you for that. And if you're here and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you believe God for great things, would you join me in prayer for people who need what we've talked about today and they're willing to come for that? Would you pray with me? Would you join me and pray for people with me? In Jesus' name, let's do it. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.